Brown. Hello, 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 everybody. This is uh, Patrick Green from the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. Uh, I am joined by Dave Latham. Did I, did I say that right this time, Dave? Yep, you got it. Yes, and Jordan Deco. Uh, Dicko, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now I'm two for two today. It's it's better than in the past. I'm proud of myself. Um, we are all writers for RedSoxUnfiltered.com, uh, um, and this is our fourth episode. It, it's it's been a ride, guys. Um, we're 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 currently in a rain delay. Uh, the Red Sox have a four nothing lead in the top of the fifth, uh, and it. It's, it's been a rough series, guys. Um, I know we talked about it. Uh, we lost the first game 3-2 to two in a heartbreaker. And then I think last night just did it did us one better with a 9-6 to six Craig Kimbrell uh, meltdown that, you know, also is a heartbreaker. Um, hopefully tonight we'll go differently. Um, but uh, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the series to start this podcast. What have you guys seen from this Red Sox-Yankees series? And we're doing a special episode, by the way. Uh, we couldn't record last week due to some technical difficulties, which were all my fault, and I apologize uh, profusely. But, you know, we're here. We're having a good time. It's going to be a great episode, and we're going to be talking everything Red Sox because there's a lot that happened this week. So what... what Dave and Jordan, did you see from the Red Sox-Yankees series that you want to comment on? I'll start with you, Dave. Well, the first thing I saw, and obviously, you know, the first two games, but if we're really looking for silver linings here, uh, this team was in position to win both of those first two games, and were it not for an eighth-inning collapse by a guy that probably shouldn't have been in there to begin with, we win both of those games against a team that won, I think, 15 of their last 16 entering the series and is the second-best team in baseball, or maybe the best, depending on where you put the actual Red Sox. So, if assuming we hold on to this one, I feel about as good from this series as you can when you lose 2 or 3 to uh, your longtime rivals. Yeah. So, I mean, silver linings-wise, this isn't the worst series that we've ever had. This isn't like we're getting blown out 13 to nothing, and like we don't belong on the Red the Yankees level at all. We are right there with them. Yeah, I think I think people forget that like the Rays spanked us like what was that last weekend or it was something. Uh, this 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 hasn't been as bad. I mean, it's been it's been like more dramatic. It's happened in a worse way, but uh, it's there've been close games. I agree with that. Uh, Jordan, what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Dave on this one, um, with the exception of a couple of questionable like managerial managerial moves, um, i.e. the uh, Kimbrel uh, entrance in the eighth. Uh, I think we would have won uh, last night, and then I mean we were we were right there with the Yankees uh, in the opener. So I mean it's it's a it's a classic Yankees Red Sox series, um, and then if we hold on to this one, I mean we're we're uh, back tied for first place. So I think um, I think it's a, well yeah we're back tied for first place. I don't think we can uh, go wrong there. Yeah yeah definitely. Um, for those who uh, were wondering what Jordan was alluding to with Craig Kimbrell, he pitched the eighth inning of last night's game, which was Wednesday, because today's Thursday. Um, I get my days mixed up. But uh, yeah, Wednesday he pitched in the eighth inning, attempting a six-out save. They had a 6-5 lead. He gave up three runs, including a monster home run, two-run home run by Aaron Judge, and a tr- Brett Gardner triple, who Brett Gardner, by the way, was killing it uh, last night. That's a side note. Didn't need to be said, but dang, like he sucked, and now he's like, wow, this game he decided to be the old Brett Gardner that we unfortunately know and not really love. But um, so uh, g- along the lines of Craig Kimbrell, um, I, personally, I was fine with him coming in the eighth inning. 
I really think that he is a, I mean, obviously Craig Kimbrell is a beast. Um, I'm a big proponent of trying to get your closers in those situations when it's like the game's on the line. And I think that was the exact situation um, that he should have been in because it was such a game-changing uh, situation. And, I, and I, I think that he has shown in the past that he can go two innings. I know he might have had some pushback about not pitching in the ninth, but I, I personally like the move. Dave, I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I like the move, too. Um, the thing I'd question the most was going to Hembry, which most of the blame for yesterday falls on Hembry. He was going... The initial thought is, why is Keith Hembry pitching the eighth inning of a, of a Sox-Yankees game? But... He was going up against the bottom of the order, and Matt Barnes, too, the next day was, for that matter. And it's up to those guys. You, you, you should be able to be get, get out the worst part of the lineup. That shouldn't be hard for you. So I put most of this on Hembry and Barnes, respectively, for not being able to get the job done against the part of the order they're capable of handling. But that being said, I think Cora should have had a shorter leash on Hembry and either gone to Kimbrell earlier, had him finish the eighth, and then maybe use... Velasquez or Kelly in the ninth, or just go to Kelly or Velasquez at the first sign of trouble, because um, anyone who's followed the podcast knows my feelings on Hembry. They're not very great, so I really think if you're going to put him in there, you really need to have a shorter leash than what Cora had. Yeah, and if, if you follow the Red Sox Unfiltered Twitter account, or Dave's Twitter account, that you know that we, we, we're not really big Heath Embry guys, um, especially in high leverage situations. I feel like those are the times you avoid Heath Embry. Um, one interesting note uh, off of what you said is, I really haven't seen Hector Velasquez in many high leverage situations. I feel like he's always in like that long relief role. Um, Jordan, what do you think about Hector Velasquez as a potential high leverage guy? Um, you know what? Uh, I, I think, I think my only experience with seeing, uh, Velasquez was in the Oakland series, um, about a month ago. And from what I saw, I mean, he did, he did all right. Um, I think, uh, putting him in more, uh, high leverage situations is really going to test like what the Red Sox have in, in, uh, in Hector, sorry, uh, test what the Red Sox have in, uh, Hector Velasquez. So I think it's just like a matter of, uh, how Cora uh, wants to use him, and if and if he's going well, let's put him in like some bases loaded or like two man on situations situations and uh, see what we have. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Dave. Dave, what are your thoughts on uh, putting Hector Velasquez in those type of situations? I am all for it. I'm absolutely on board that yeah. train because when you look at the bullpen right now, we have Craig Kimbrell, who's probably the best closer in the game right now. You've got Joe Kelly riding a hot streak, and we've been through this with Kelly before. I know he's a folk hero. I know he's a he's probably a demigod in Boston for you know the fight situation, and he's been phenomenal ever since opening day. But I'm always nervous to put my trust in Kelly just because he goes through these stretches where he's unhittable, and then he gets shelled for like a month straight. He's he's a very streaky player. I'm hoping he's over it, but I'm not sure you can bank on that happening. So if you get the bad Kelly soon, then basically the only reliable arm you have in the bullpen is Kimbrel. So I think Velasquez, just by who else is who else is there to go to, should be the guy that uh, the Red Sox should start looking at. Because if you trust him to be a starter, you can probably trust him to handle the eighth inning. Because honestly, a starter has much more of an impact on a game than whoever pitches the eighth inning, and even more than Kimbrel does. Because um, you know, obviously, starter pitches more innings. 
So I feel like Velasquez has done well as a starter. He should be able to do well as a reliever. And he has done well when they've called upon him. I think he can handle those high-level level situations. And I'd love to see the Sox give it a shot. Yeah. Well, I, I think you just offended the entirety of Boston with that Joe Kelly comment. But, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, Kelly is... Uh, did you see the Section 10 podcast with him on there? Did any of you guys listen What's to that? that? Did you see the Section 10 podcast with Joe Kelly? I saw that it happened. I saw, like, uh, the clip that they posted on Twitter, but I didn't listen to the whole thing. Yeah. No. Yeah, like, I, I was, like, kind of on the fringe with Joe Kelly. But, I mean... Like, he, he, he fired me up so much just listening to that podcast. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm a Joe Kelly guy now. Despite the inconsistency. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I love Joe Kelly, the human being. I love Joe Kelly, the pitcher that we have right now. And I'm ready to... I, I really hope I'm wrong. I hope Joe Kelly goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. But, <laughs> frankly, just from where I'm sitting, we can probably expect this to keep up for a month or two. But then he's going to, you know, go back to the mean. Remember back in 2015 when we had him as a starter for like oh, yeah. a month and a half, I, he was phenomenal, and then he worked his way into 16 as a starter and couldn't do anything, and same with uh, the end of 14, and he's had these stretches before, and I'm just, I'm always, call me paranoid, but I'm always nervous to buy into only like a month or so of really great data. Yeah, no, 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 me too. It's it's a small sample size. I mean, like, his underlying peripherals look good this year, but, like, 2017 was just inconsistent. Like, you didn't really know what you were going to get. His um his strikeout walk numbers were okay. They weren't anything special, especially for a guy who pitches, like, 100 miles per hour. But, um, yeah, I think Joe Kelly's an, an enigma. Everyone loves him, but definitely going to have to see more consistency going forward from him. Uh, in terms of Hector Velasquez, which was what we originally talked about, and then I got sidetracked because I want to go over every member of this bullpen in detail. Um, uh, yeah, I think Velasquez, it's weird. I feel like it's kind of weird that they haven't tried him in high leverage situations. Um, he's not necessarily a strikeout guy. Um, he's a command guy, and he pitches to contact high ground ball rates. Um, he's kind of like uh, Anthony Swarzak in terms of ground ball um, you know, generation, so that's interesting. And uh, last thing along this Red Sox-Yankees series, um, what did you guys think of Drew Pomeranz's start on Tuesday night? Uh, originally, he was scuffling a little bit. Uh, the Red Sox trainer had to come out at one point because he had a, uh, an apparent uh, injury to his finger. It was bleeding. And people thought he was going to come out of the game. But Drew Pomeranz, otherwise known as Big Smooth, powered through. What did you think? Jordan, I'm going to start with you. What did you think about Big Smooth's performance on Tuesday night? You know what? I thought it was a very strong performance. I think uh, when when he caught his, uh, when, I guess when he got that finger or hand injury, it was uh, I kind of had to hold my breath a little bit because I mean you don't you don't want another it, you never want injuries, um, especially just like freak injuries like what things that have to do your finger. Um, but I mean after I I thought the first couple pitches that he threw um, after. Uh, after he was evaluated, like they were a little bit high, but like I gotta say, he he buckled down and uh, he like he grinded out his uh, his start. I, I liked it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the first pitch yeah. he threw after like the trainer came on the mound was like an eighty-four mile per hour fastball, and I was like, oh shit, here we go. Like Hector Velasquez <laughs> yeah. better get warmed up. I think I, I tweeted Hector Velasquez, you up? And then I I looked foolish because you know. 
Big Smooth was Big Smooth, and he he pitched a really gritty game. Um, his knuckle curve looked like it, it has in the past. Last year when he was going really well, he was locating it well. His fastball velocity was even like just at normal, and it, it was it was it was a really good performance. Uh, Dave, what did you think about it? I was incredibly impressed with his uh, performance, especially after basically losing a fingernail blood coming down. I'm with you guys. I thought like, okay, he's out of the game. Then he stayed in, and after that first at bat, um, I think you know that first pitch was the really slow fastball, and the second one was a curveball that missed home plate by about 20 yards. Yeah. And I'm like, oh boy, should you have stayed in the game? But then he put it together. He had a phenomenal start. He only gave up the two homers that at most other parks are flyouts or you know singles at best. And, you know, he really, really put it together. And I'm going to kind of, you know, give myself some credit here because on the last Red Sox Unfiltered podcast, we talked about Pomeran's slow start. And I said, you know, just give it time. He did this last year, too. It took him a few starts to get it together. And I'm hoping this was the start that really uh, puts Pomeran's back on that 2017 form. Because if you can get Porcello and Sale to keep pitching the way they are, which they should, David Price hopefully getting better, and Palm is turning into 2017 form, and you always have Eddie who's, you never quite know what you're going to get, but more often than not, it's good. That's a really, really great rotation. So I really think Pomeranz can be the missing key that is one of the best rotations in baseball. I think we took that step uh, on Tuesday. Yeah. You deserve credit for that, Dave. That was a good take, and you look yeah. really smart right now. Uh, can I can I jump in for a minute? Yeah, Jordan, go ahead. Love it. Yeah. yeah so, um, I mean, I mean, you guys are watching tonight's ball game. Uh, I just gotta say, watching um, Erod like hitting ninety five, ninety seven, like below the zone is just it's it's amazing to me. Like he he doesn't really like throw this hard, but to watch it like to watch him throw ninety five, ninety seven, like at the knees. Granted, I think the uh, I think the ump uh, is playing like a big zone, but like it's just dominant to watch Erod pitch tonight. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, Erod's I, got stuff. Have I ever gone on my? Uh, have I ever told you guys the ballad of my Eduardo Rodriguez love on the podcast before? If I have, I won't do it again. But Dave, I don't uh, think you I have. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Yeah, Let's I, hear yeah, the ballad. I haven't heard it, but <laughs> okay. So back in uh, 2015, when he first made his debut, I was like big into the. That season, I was poorly in hindsight riding the uh, he's the ace t-shirt and uh, Pablo Sandoval thinking this is the year we're getting back into the playoffs and 2015 <laughs> was a dumpster fire and uh, <laughs> that was pretty evident early in the early in the season and I was just heartbroken by that year because in, in 14 we sucked but I kind of saw that coming because I don't know how the hell we won the World Series in 13 but so anyway, 15 happens, it's a train wreck, and it's early May. You know the team's not really going anywhere. And I think it was Justin Masterson that got hurt, and we call up this guy we got in a trade from uh, for Andrew Miller last year. I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's see how fast this kid gets shelled, because everyone got shelled that year. And he was pitching against Texas, went eight, went eight innings. I think he only gave up two hits, and I'm like, holy shit, this is my new favorite player. I need to know everything about you, Eduardo Rodriguez. So... Um, he pitched pretty well the rest of the year, and, you know, every day I was getting more and more hyped up on the Erod train, and in 2016, when we signed Price, I'm like, okay, that's cool, but Price is going to be the second-best pitcher behind <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. That didn't happen, but he showed flashes. 17, okay, he's entering the season kind of healthy, then he hurts his knee. So now 2018's the year. He's 
Um, the brain, my brain knows that by this point in time, he's probably going to be a bit of a roller coaster. But my heart's saying that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to get it together, and he's going to be the best, like number three guy in baseball. Okay, that was a wonderful ballad, Dave. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so you don't think Erod's going to be the number one on the staff? Just to clarify. Um, the first two are going to be in the top five for the Cy Young. It's kind of hard to get up. Yeah. There, <laughs> and my second question is, do you own an Eduardo Rodriguez jersey? And if so, or if not, why not? Astonishingly, I don't. And most of it's just because I'm a cheap bastard. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, I, do have, I do have a few jerseys. Um, the main one I got right now, I'm rocking the uh, Raphael Devers jersey. I saw him in Portland a lot, so I've got a pretty strong connection to him. So Yeah, you're a big advocate of Raphael yeah. Devers. Yep, building a church to him. <laughs> That's how you know you're a pretty big fan. Um, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna actually talk about this topic that I've been kind of uh, dreading a little bit, but it has to be talked about because it is so prevalent right now, and it's about. Jackie Bradley Jr. and his offensive woes. You guys knew it was coming. We had to talk about it. I think we've talked about it on three or four podcasts now. So, JBJ, uh, at one point I wrote an article saying, leave Jackie Bradley Jr. alone. Looked at some peripherals and I was like, he's gonna get it together. Like, he he is like a couple lucky or unlucky hits away from being the player that he was last year. A great defender and a decent hitter. But, you know what? That hasn't happened. Not at all. He has a 45 WRC plus right now. That is 55% uh, under league average. And basically, WRC plus is how much uh, an offensive player produces runs uh, below or above average. 100 is average. He has a 45. That's really not good. Uh, a 173 average. Uh, yeah, we, we know what we, we know. That's not good. Uh, 264 OBP. 264 slug. Well, I, I, does he actually have a 264 slug, or is that a typo? Might be a typo. Oh my God! Wow, he's bad. Um, and a negative point, <laughs> a negative point four F WAR. His defense is not saving him. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let Dave take this one away. Uh, let Let's hear your thoughts on Jackie Bradley Jr. So I think we are officially at the point where Jackie Bradley is what he is. He's 28 or 29, I forget which, somewhere in there. And the data tells us he's not going to be this bad the rest of the season, but he's a streaky player, and honestly, I don't think the glove represents enough to keep him in the game, regardless of how bad he's hitting. He's probably going to go on a stretch in a few months where he hits like 300 if he's still on the Sox, and that'll be great. I'll be happy for him, but you have to know the fall is just around the turn. You can't rely on his bat to be consistent anymore. And I think Cora's definitely doing the right thing the last two days, uh, putting J.D. in the outfield, Moreland at first, Hanley at D.H., and Jackie on the bench. His glove just doesn't justify keeping him in, keeping him in the lineup when he's hitting that terribly. So, Patrick, I'm sorry. I know this is a very personal <laughs> This is tough for me. You, but, yeah, I, I think it's time we... Uh, Wave goodbye to the golden boy. Is this like an intervention for me? It disguised as a podcast. Is that what this re- re- is? What really happening here? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not an intervention, but kind of just you know, like call up, like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I will.
will say this, though. In one last-ditch effort to defend Jackie Bradley Jr., the man is still running a very unsustainable 218 BABIP. Batting average on balls in play, the normal is 300. I think he's like right around there for his career. That is not going to sustain. He's going to start, well, he probably won't get the, the opportunities to, but if he does, he, those those balls will start turning into hits, and Jackie Bradley Jr.'s got a nice barrels per plate appearances. It's right near Hanley Ramirez. His hard hit rate is basically in line with what it's been in previous seasons, but you know what? All that's crap. Jackie Bradley Jr., not looking good right now. Um, I think they are making the obvious right move, getting Mitch Moreland in that lineup at the expense of the black hole that is Jackie Bradley Jr.'s bat right now. I don't think he is as bad as a 45 WRC+, but I think, yeah, he needs some time on the bench to clear whatever this is, and maybe he'll he'll get rotated in there because Alex Cora is so big on rest, so he's going to get his at-bats. We all know this, and if he starts hitting again, you can get him back in that lineup, but I'm not sure when it's going to come. Uh, Jordan, what do you think about my boy JBJ? You know what? I, uh, I think at the last podcast I, I said um, along the lines of dump him, trade him, but you know what? That's, that's not real. I don't think that's well, no, I'm not going to say that's fair because it's not objective. But, I mean, I mean, I, I think Cole's doing the right move. Um, I, I've kind of had <clears throat> that thought about Jackie Bradley Jr. where at some point, no matter how much defense he, can, um, he provides, I think it's just time to give, him, like, to, give him, to give him the bench. I mean, as you can see, like Mitch Moreland is, um, is right in the hot hand. And then if I know... What JD Martinez is in the right field. I think if uh, if uh, Cora thinks that's the right move, I mean that's the right move. It's just it's more offense for uh, for the Sox, which is super important. Yeah, uh, but our Jordan in this, if if you're running the Red Sox, are you thinking about trading JBJ right now? I mean, yes. In my in my heart of hearts, I apologize, but yeah, um, I think. <laughs> I mean, this this kind of dumps into another another topic, but I mean, if if uh, if I was if I was uh, double D Dave 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 Dombrowski, uh, think um, I think we mentioned J T Real Muto earlier. We I mean, did package him, man. Uh, I mean, we need we need a catcher. I just saw Christian Vasquez drop another ball, which is what I hate seeing. Uh, but like I said, this is another that's another topic. But yeah. I think um, I think eight, uh, uh, like there's a team out there that needs Jackie Bradley Jr. But for the sake of uh, his bat with the Red Sox, I think it's a time to go. I, yeah, I apologize. I know that's going to give me no, some slack with the. Uh, don't worry about the, it, Jordan. The, I can take it. I've been I've been yeah. like burdened enough and, with this whole streak. To add to that point, Pat, I don't want to get your hopes up too high, but I don't think we should trade him right now. But only my hopes are high. You'd be selling so low on his value yeah because jackie bradley still is a valuable glove and he's shown the ability to be a major league hitter albeit not consistently what i'd do is you just give jackie a week or two off get his head straight because you know that this slump is in his head as much as it's in the heads of everyone in red sox nation probably more so so just give him some time to clear his head start rotating him back him back in if he gets hot let him ride it out in the second he's at that peak value where they say okay you fixed him. He's great. Trade him for for whatever you can get, which is going to be a lot more than what it is right now. Yeah. Right. 
I agree with that point. I, I think they'd be selling low on him, and they wouldn't be extracting the value that they could if he's on one of his peaks, which you alluded to. Um, but I, yeah, Jordan, I am I am very intrigued with JT Realmuto, and uh, I'm not really happy with the current catching situation. It's really, I don't think it's a sustainable tandem for a team like the Red Sox. I mean, they could probably get by with it, but if you really want to maximize this current team, uh, I think you need to upgrade there, and I think Jackie Bradley Jr. could be that guy. I also am wary about the thought, like, the Red Sox may get another outfielder if they do end up trading JBJ, but, like, the thought of J.D. Martinez playing the outfield um, in JBJ absence, I mean, he's not done as bad as I thought, which hats off to him, but, like, just thinking about JBJ, um, J.D. Martinez aging, playing the outfield for the Red Sox, while Henry Ramirez DHs and Mitch Moreland plays first, it just, I don't, I don't like J.D. Martinez as an outfielder. Um, I don't think he's that well-equipped to play it. Um, so, yeah, that also worries me. It's just it's looking off in the future, and so many things will happen between now and then. But it's definitely on my noggin, and I just wanted to share it with everyone. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue too far in the future. Um, now we shall move on to Mitch Moreland, who is basically replacing JBJ in the lineup. Um, yeah, guys, I wanted. I wanted to ask you what you're thinking about Mitch Moreland's current hot streak. He had a home run in his first at-bat of yesterday's game, um, and he's he's been absolutely lighting the world on fire. It seems like every time, like every day I feel like Twitter should rename Mitchie, Mitch Moreland from Mitchie Two Bags to Mitchie Four Bags because this dude can hit bombs. So I'm going to start with you, Dave. What, what have you seen from Mitch Moreland, and, and do you think he's going to be this good going forward? I mean, I've seen the same thing that everyone in, in watching the Red Sox have seen from this guy. He's been absolutely fantastic. Last year, when he came over, he came over with the reputation of being a great fielder and a man hitter, you know, somebody that won't single-handedly ruin the lineup, but he's certainly not going to carry the team. In the first half of 2017, he was fantastic. And then he got the toe injury, and after that, he kind of reverted back to his norm. Of throughout his career, and obviously the injury had something to do with that, but when we, we re-signed him, I thought that the first half of 2017 was an outlier, was just, you know, he got hot at the right time, and he's going to go back to being a, you know, kind of somewhat below average hitter with a great glove, and he's been so much more than that, and honestly, I don't see a reason why it's going to stop. I don't think he's going to be hitting a homer every third day like he's been doing, but I certainly think he's got he's got the bat. Every time in a Red Sox uniform, he's been healthy. He's been a great hitter and been one of the brighter parts of the lineup. So I say you find a way to keep him in the lineup. And the way to do that right now, tying back into the previous point, is with Jackie on the bench. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, well, before I get to you, Jordan, about Mitch Moreland, I actually have a pressing question that I want to ask you guys. That This kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with Mitch Moreland's playing time. Um, so you, you know that Hanley Ramirez is owed a $22 million vesting option if he reaches 497 plate appearances. He's got like 150 right now. Um, if you're the Red Sox, are you consciously going to let him get to that mark? I'll start with you, Jordan. You know what? Um, this is what? I think this is what you got to think about, um, his age. He, uh, let me, I believe... He's 34 uh, right now. Um, 34. Yeah, 34. You're, 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 if you, um, if you, what, he, not resign him. I think, I, I think, quite frankly, Ramirez is obviously the older option. Um, 
Mitch Moreland, 32. Uh, he's, I think he has a hot hand right now. He's left-handed. Um, he has like, I think he, he plays, you know, uh, this, this could be a debate, but like better defense than Hanley. Oh, no, um, no debate I think here. like if you want to get younger, uh, you go with Moreland and especially the way that, uh, Moreland's hitting right now where he's hitting 300 virtually off of like both, not virtually, literally off of, um, both right-handed and left-handed hitters. And then like as men get on base. He's just a, he's a machine. So I think I think if if you want to get younger, uh, the lineup to get younger, I think you go with Moreland. Um, I mean, I like Moreland, uh, obviously because he has he has a hot streak. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think I'd be leaning towards Moreland for um, the for in the future if I was the Red Sox. Yeah, I think the Red Sox can get Mitch Moreland and Hanley Ramirez in the lineup. Okay, I mean, they're doing it right now. They're sitting JBJ. Um, but going forward, I definitely am concerned with that $22 million option. Hanley has been very good this year, especially the past two days. He's hit some He's hit some shots. Like, holy crap. The line drive tonight, what was the exit velocity on that? I want to say like 112. Does anyone want to... I think up. I uh, saw it on Twitter. I want to say it was 111, but don't quote me on 111. That. Can we go 111.5 and then round up? Does that sound good? Sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then the other one was hitting to the upper deck. Uh, hand, hand Ram's a beast uh, on the, with the bat, but uh, I, I don't know if you're going to let him get to the $22 million vesting option. He is older, as, as Jordan said, and I was looking at some underlying uh, numbers, which I wrote in the Mitch Moreland article, and... Uh, there, there's, there, there. He has some very good numbers, but at the same time, like his barrels per plate appearances were right near JBJ's. Uh, this is before you know the last two games, so you know that's probably a moot point at this at this juncture. But you know, I said it. We're here. Um, I love Hanley. Great player. Great hitter. Um, I just don't know if you're going to let him get to twenty-two million dollars when we saw like all these offensive the weapons go for like yeah. nothing. Yeah, so the yeah, biggest yeah. obstacle with keeping Hanley from getting all those at-bats is who's going to take him in his place. This is one of those situations where I'm sorry to keep Jackie Bradley right Jr. If, ja- if Jackie could hit, you'd have an easy solution right there. JDDHs, you have the young outfield, Mitch at first, and you just kind of rotate Hanley in whenever and just cautiously keep an eyeball on, you know, his at-bats, making sure he's never, you know, on pace to get over that and activate the vesting option. But... With Bradley, you know, basically playing his way out of the lineup, you have to put Hanley in there at DH because Marlon's playing left field. There's really no better option. I we concur. Like Swihart, but he's not anything close to the player that Hanley is, and this team's going to be in the thick of it with the Yankees all year for uh, for the for the division and with the new wild card rules. Well, not really new anymore, but with the wild card rules now having an elimination game, that matters more than ever. So with with a drastic drop off from Hanley to who's ever behind him, I really feel like you have no choice but to ride with him, and you know, twenty two million dollars be damned. Yeah, um, are we sure that Sandy Leone can't play first base? I think that would solve a lot of things, solve a lot of issues. Well, 
Sandy Sandy can play everywhere and do everything. It's just Alex Cora hasn't responded to my mail yet, so he doesn't know that. <laughs> it's gone unnoticed. Well, well, yeah, I think Haley Ramirez can still play a crap ton. I think he could get 496 plate appearances, and I think he would still provide the Red Sox a lot of value. Like, I'm thinking, like, this could be a situation. This is my comparison. It might be a horrible comparison, but I'm going to go with it. Like, when teams limit young pitchers' innings, like Stephen Strasburg, uh, when the Nationals were on that playoff run, or I can't think of another example on the top of my head. But trust me, there are other examples of this happening. Do they like shut him down at a certain point? I, I feel like that would be horrible PR, but like, is there a way that this could work and they can still extract value from Hanley, or we should just ride with this $22 million vesting option? So was bench him after the All-Star game and then just act, like, put him in the lineup for like, like last month. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I feel like that would be a giant dick move and they might do it anyway just <laughs> oh, to save the money oh, but like absolutely it yeah. is a giant dick move I'm, I'm gonna take the uh you know i feel out of it i know it's a dick move, it's a dick but move. if they did it my biggest story would be like the lineup justifiably turning on uh the man- management because if i'm if i'm one of the players i think dude what the fuck are you doing this guy's helping <laughs> us win every day we don't have a good other option and you're doing it just to save some Pennies from a contract that you negotiated, like yeah, asshole. that's true. Oh, yeah, no, so, that was Jurassic measures. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Hanley's gonna get it, and I should stop like complaining and worrying about it. But it's it's gonna happen. Maybe like maybe not yeah. shut him down for a while. Maybe like every other day. Maybe fake a DL stint. I don't know. People do that sometimes. All right, we're going to get off this uh, topic for now. I think we had some lively conversation with it. But we're going to talk about Jay Groom, Red Sox top prospect, the Southpaw, who's ranked like, what, 70th from baseball perspective? 78th. 78th on baseball perspectives, top 100 list coming into the season. Uh, so guess what happened? On Tuesday, I believe it was, Wednesday, some of these days, he w- it was announced that he will have uh, he'll, he will undergo Tommy John surgery Tuesday, May 15th, and that will shut him down for the rest of the season. Uh, the other Red Sox top prospect, the only other one in the top 100, Michael Chavez, was suspended 50 games for violating the MLB's PED policy earlier in this season. Uh, so, with the two top hundred prospects on 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 the shelf, and with not, I don't know if I don't want to say like there's not a, some other guys who can step up and be quality, impactful players in the big leagues, but it, the farm system's looking a little bleak right now. Um, Dave, what what are your thoughts on the state of the Red Sox farm system? Well, the farm system right now isn't great, but you kind of knew that was coming, and the Red Sox were okay with doing that when they started trading a lot of their young talent for good players to go into win-now mode. And honestly, I'm okay with that trade-off from you know a past perspective just because outside of the Thornburg trade, you pretty much broke even or won every single trade that you made. So you got to give up good players to get good players. I get it. The big problem I have is that we really haven't done much in the last few drafts. Like you said, Chaffis and Groom were the only one in the top 100 entering the year. Chaffis got suspended. Groom's got Tommy John. So things aren't exactly great. But that being said, there are a lot of options in AAA right now that I really like. Um, Jalen Beeks is the obvious one. He's been He's come somewhat out of nowhere to just absolutely destroy everyone he's faced in Pataka. He's been phenomenal. 
I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you look him up, he's basically the Chris Sale of the minor leagues. <laughs> um, so I've been really, really happy following along with how he's been doing. And one of the more quiet guys, you, you might not hear about too much, but as I brag about every time I'm on this podcast, um, I went to a few Sea Dogs games last year, <laughs> so obviously I know the most about the Red Sox minor leagues compared to everyone else in the world. <laughs> So there's two guys up in Pawtucket right now, Mike Olt and Jeremy Barfield. They are both, like, I don't think either one's going to be a superstar, but those guys both have the swings to uh, make some noise in the majors. They can definitely come up and play a role if ever called upon. Olt's more of like a Mike Napoli in that he either hits the ball a mile or he strikes out and there's really no in-between. So, But, I mean, there's roles for guys like that on the team. And Barfield, I think, is just a fantastic player. I'm higher on him than most, but I do think that he could be a starting outfielder, but probably like a lesser tier starting outfielder. Yeah. Um, in terms of Jeremy Barfield, um, I'm actually a big, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a huge fan of Jeremy Barfield. Um, one of the first articles I wrote for the site was about Jeremy Barfield. Uh, basically, the dude hit like a crazy amount of home runs last year, and he completely has like overhauled his approach at the plate. He's like a fly ball god. Like, he's like doing the fly ball revolution thing, and it is working for him. Like, he's hitting incredibly and the guy is a little old though i think he's like 29 which is a, a little bit of a red flag but to, at this point it, it thinks that like this is more than just noise like this is signal because it has corresponded with a meaningful change in approach i like jeremy barfield haven't really dug too deep in mike Holt, and yeah everything you said about Jalen beaks spot on as, especially if, if, you're, if you're getting called the chris sale triple a you, you know you're pretty damn good um, Jordan, what are you thinking about the Red Sox farm system? Do you have anything to add? Um, I mean, I'm I'm just looking at the uh, the depth chart right now. Or, I mean, I mean, they're minor leagues, minor leaguers right now. And I'm looking at guys like Brian Motto, who's I mean, granted, he's only he's only in uh, single A. And then obviously we have uh, Sam Travis, who's been you know who's been tearing the cover off the ball in the minors. Um, I mean, yeah, I think Groom and, and Chavis are, are big big hits to our, to our farm system, but then again, uh, we do have a couple of guys uh, down on the farm that uh, we could we could use like later on in the season. Um, I mean, Point is obvious, obviously an option, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge hit. Yeah. Um, see, the thing is, like, mm-hmm. Jay Groom's going to come back, Michael Chavez is going to come back, so in the end, it, it'll, it'll be okay, but... This it's just the the farm system is a bit depleted, even if they may have underrated guys. But you know, every farm system has underrated guys and in, in fans of the organization's mind and even in the team's mind. Um, I am concerned though with the farm system, especially because we've got some big contracts we're going to have to pay soon. So we're going to need some contributions from some controllable young assets. And I know we have that for a while with guys like Devers and Ben Attendee. Um, but in the, in the not so foreseeable future, uh, this could get ugly if the Red Sox farm system is not uh, strong or if there's some of their picks don't start turning it around. So yeah, I'm a tiny bit concerned, not too concerned. Uh, and with that, we shall move on from that topic. And you know, we know what we're going to talk about Dave. Do you know what's next on the agenda? Uh, I've got my idea, but I want to hear you say it. Uh, David Price. David Price struggles in the weird hand injury. Uh, the uh, carpal yeah, tunnel. Uh, do you want? Do you, do you want to actually like? 
I, I'll let you take this. Like, I, I don't even need to say anything. I, I'm, I'm going to let you go. Dave, talk about David Price's struggle and his weird hand injury. All right. So, as uh, uh, first off, I want to start with the disclaimer that I am not, like, in love with David Price. I do not think the guy walks on water. He's not a perfect player, and he's done a lot of stupid things. But that being said, everyone in Boston and all the fans of the Red Sox just absolutely hate this guy with every fiber of their being. So I've sort of, like, basically become Price's biggest defender simply because by saying he's not that bad. He's actually good. He's just not great. So anyone who listens to this and thinks, okay, this guy's just, you know, like in love with Price, you know, he was a Rays fan and just got into the Red Sox because <laughs> Price signed here. No, like, I didn't like Price before he signed here either, you know. It, so let's just get that off the bat. I'm not like, the, du- the dude doesn't have, like, blackmail on me or anything. But into the defense of David Price, part two. So <laughs> with the hand thing, I think you can see a pretty clear correlation between when the hand issues first started arising and when his season really fell apart. So to anyone saying that he's faking this to get out of facing the Yankees, look at the numbers. That's not very likely. Um, The first two games, he pitched 14 straight scoreless innings, and yes, I know it was against the Rays, but the Rays are still a major league ball club, and none of the other starters were doing as good as he was. They were all pitching well, but not that well. And then the hand injury comes up against the Yankees, which... He has a history of circulation problems, so he wasn't faking that either. Don't know what you guys are getting that from. And, you know, the next five are ugly, so chances are his hand is still acting up. He went to get it checked out, and yeah, carpal tunnel's a weak thing to miss a game with, but it was actually diagnosed by the Red Sox training staff, so either they're all breaking the Hippocratic Oath to keep Price happy, or he actually has something wrong with his hand. Um, so now the Red Sox are actively monitoring it. They'll have an idea to treat it, and they know that it's not just, you know, oh, circulation, you'll get better. They're actively finding a way to make him get better so that he can pitch more like he did the first two weeks of the season. <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, just, oh my God, I... The price hate is just so unjustified. It is. It, it, it is. It's like, I, I would say David Price is your equivalent to JBJ, but David Price is actually good. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the thing about David Price is, like, I, I wasn't too big. Like, I, I talked to you about this. Like, I was not too big on his numbers, um, his underlying numbers coming into the season. Like, I think his first couple of starts were a little fluky. It was a lot of bad uh, some bad at ball luck, but I still think David Price is a good pitcher, and I agree with you. I don't think the circulation thing is just made up so he doesn't play the Yankees. I think that's an oversimplification, and people are just doing it out of convenience and it's practicality because it's, it's it's just it's just there, and people like to jump on this story. Um, so, Jordan, um, do you think that first of all, do you think that David Price's injury is because of his Fortnite play, as it has been rumored to be? And secondly, do you play Fortnite? Oh well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this I'm gonna take take on the ladder uh, to begin with. Okay. Uh, I played Fortnite probably a week, one week, and given it's entertaining, I just I don't understand the hype. Did um, you get carpal um, tunnel in that week? Yeah, I mean cartoon characters like killing each other. I mean I get it, I get it. It's fun and it's a cartoon. But anyway, regardless. Um, 
I mean, believe me, as, as someone who plays video games and used to play video games, and, and used to play video games, I mean, I get it. Um, I mean, maybe he was just playing an all-nighter one night in the, in the Red Sox clubhouse. You never know. Um, yep. <laughs> which is, you know, which, again, I can, I can relate to. Uh, and then, I mean, is, is it related to it? Yeah, probably. Um, but like David touched on, uh, the medical staff is, the medical staff is, uh, doing a good job monitoring, uh, David Price. Um, and then, well, once, I mean, I mean, they say that, uh, Price is going to make his next start. So Sunday, we're just going to have to see. Uh, Saturday, Saturday, I believe. Oh, that was ironic. Uh, so, so I mean, <clears throat> I think I mean I don't want to say it's a freak injury now, but at the same time, uh, this stuff does happen. It, it is a long season, and um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, sorry, I kind of lost. I lost ahead of steam there because I got excited. What was uh, was the Fortnite question? And then I was like, oh. <laughs> "Sorry, yeah, that that wasn't in like preparation. I just thought I would spring that on you." Um, yeah, David Price. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was debating who yeah, to ask it to. The Price's defense, one last time. Yeah, I don't think it's Fortnite, but I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Dave. I'll let Dave go. Do you play Fortnite? Um, no, I don't. Nintendo Switch for life, baby. So. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um. So um, the whole is it or isn't it Fortnite thing, well, WEEI posted an article um, just this afternoon, like just before the game started. Um, they interviewed a bunch of phys- physical therapists who might actually have an idea what causes carpal tunnel, believe it or not. Wait, really? And all of them are, yeah, I know, crazy, right? I wouldn't have thought so either. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they interviewed a couple of them, like five or six made in the article, I want to say. And just about all of them said that it would be incredibly unlikely that video gaming led to this. So I'm going to take the word of the medical community over the word of the angry guy on Twitter who doesn't like that price makes $30 million a year. So that's where I am with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it was, I just I, I just think the whole thing is like the most comical thing I've ever heard. Um, so that's why I brought it up. But yeah, David, David Price's hand injury, I, I really do not think is or his carpal tunnel is not the result of the Fortnite play. I think that's that, that's pretty ridiculous. And what David Price, I think, said today, I think it was to Christopher Smith of Mass Live. Don't quote me on that. Could be a completely different guy. I don't know. But he said something along the lines of, "This is the least amount of video games I've ever played with the like oh, as since I've joined the Red Sox. I've been playing video games less than I've ever had in the past." Um, yeah, and as you said, like. Carpal tunnel doesn't really happen when you play video games, so uh, there's that. So we're we're gonna move on from my boy DP or Dave Dave's boy DP, um, and we're gonna talk next about Tyler Thornburg, who is set to return shortly. I don't know if they've come out with an official date yet or like they have a time frame, but it should be soon. Um, yeah, Thornburg was in the 2016 trade, or was it 2017? It was in the 2016-2017 offseason uh, for Travis so, Shaw. Yeah, it was um, yeah. just before the start of 17 because Shaw was there in yeah. 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Travis Shaw had a, a marvelous season with the Milwaukee Brewers. I think he led the team in war. Um, especially on the position player side. Um, he was the Red Sox third baseman slash first baseman. He would have solved some third base issues the Red Sox had on the early going of 2017. But Raphael Devers has kind of made that, you know, null and void at this point. Um, so 
with Tyler Thornburg finally, finally set to make his debut shortly. Uh, Jordan, what are you, what are you looking forward with him, and who gets displaced on this in this bullpen with his uh, return? Oh uh, well, again, I'm going to tackle the second question first. Um, I think we have to look at uh, Brian Johnson. Uh, I think uh, I, I need, I'm I'm constantly just looking up stats here, but with his recent with his recent uh, performance, I just think um, with Tyler Tyler Thornburg coming back, I think you just gonna have to like pick him over over Johnson for for a couple uh, for a couple days just because. I mean, Johnson's kind of put um, the Red Sox behind the eight ball, and then Tyler Thornburg is is back. So now that's just one more arm you have in your pen. So uh, I'd like to say I'd like to see Cora pick Thornburg over uh, Johnson in um, like the next week or so. Yeah. I think a lot of people have been a little dubious about Brian Johnson of late. Uh, he had a nice game, uh, or he had pitched yesterday, had a nice, I think, scoreless inning. I think he pitched one inning total, like one in like the six, one in the, one one in the third, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah something like that. Um, but Thornburg, uh, Thornburg, Thornburg's return means that somebody will have to get displaced. Um, the dude's curveball looks sick. I don't know if you guys have seen the video of that. Oh, my God, that thing is crazy. But uh, I think that Tyler Thornburg, um, well, let me just read some stats. With the Brewers in 2016, 215 ERA, 283 FIP, 2.0 F4. Relievers don't get 2.0 F4 out of the bullpen. I mean, except if you're Craig Kimbrell. Um, so, yeah, Tyler Thornburg, pretty good reliever. Uh, for that year, I think he brings a lot to the Red Sox. His stuff looks good. I think his velocity's down. I think I heard that. I don't want to spread rumors, but maybe that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I think that Brian Johnson would be an option to go down, especially because now we're talking about Stephen Wright potentially also joining the bullpen once he's done with his rehab assignment. Um, so yeah, you got two people coming, and I don't really know who's going. I think uh, Hector Velasquez is also an option because. I hate to say that, but Brian Johnson has an option and Hector Velasquez doesn't. And then we have the guy who is should probably be most people's first choice, uh, Heath Hembry, uh, Dave's favorite um, as a potential candidate to be displaced in that bullpen. Uh, Dave, what do you think about Thornburg and Stephen Wright's returns, their respective returns, and what do you see shaking out for this bullpen? Okay, so I'm with you guys. I am absolutely hyped out of my mind to see Thornburg back in the uh, back in the bullpen. I mean, he is a setup guy, so you'll ne- so just getting ahead of the hate. No, he will never justify the cost it got to get him. But what he can be for this team is just astronomically good. Because as we talked about earlier, we're really having a tough time finding a consistent setup man. Uh, Joe Kelly's been great. Kimbrel is always great. But what do you do before that? We've run into problems twice in this last week where if the starter doesn't go seven, eight innings, you kind of run into trouble really quick. Thornburg really helps to alleviate that trouble. He's, you know, everything you said is true. He's a great, great reliever. He can do just about anything you'd need him to do or anything you need a reliever to do. And um, he's going to make the team a lot better, and we're already a pretty damn good team. Um, as for who goes in his place, um, Patrick, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be Johnson just because 
he has he doesn't have any options, and you can never have enough starting pitching depth. Definitely, I get that you never want to have Johnson out there, but you can certainly do a lot worse if you need a spot start. Yeah. Uh, to me, the obvious candidates, like you said, are Velasquez and Hembry. I get the argument for wanting to keep Hembry because you can send Velasquez down, no harm, no foul. But if you get rid of Hembry, you risk losing him to another team. But is Hembry really anything better than you can just find lying around on the street? Every time Velasquez has been in a game, he's been phenomenal or really, really good. And I don't think you can put a guy like that in the minors, especially when the bullpen's the weakest part of the roster. They, so, did, they did it to Bobby Goodbye, Porter. Hembry. Goodbye, Hembry. I'd like to say I'd miss you, but I really, do, I really won't. <laughs> I think it wouldn't be a complete podcast if Dave didn't shit on Heath Hembry. Because I feel like that that's how you know it's a good podcast, when Heath Hembry gets brought up. <laughs> Um, Heath Embry's the reason I drink. <laughs> uh, it's not Sandy Leone? Huh? It's not Sandy Leone? Sandy Leone's not the reason? No, Sandy Leone's the reason I live. <laughs> uh, yeah, we talk about Sandy Leone a lot. We talk about Heath Embry a lot. That's why you should listen to us, because we always make sure we talk about those two. Uh, and Jack Bradley Jr., of okay. course. So... And I've become Price's biggest defender somehow. <laughs> I've so just inherited that. A lot, a lot of good. Jordan, who's your guy? I, I feel like it's been clear who Dave and I, are, who our guys are and who aren't our guys. But who, who's the one guy that, that you're, you're going to stick up for that's not typical? Oh, I mean, um, I, mean I was going to say Christian Vasquez, but I've, I've, been, uh, I've been trashing him like a lot since, I've, since I've joined the... Uh, the blog um <laughs> we do that you know what i've actually i've actually really liked uh the uh well I'm, here we go again san leon and blake Stoyart. um i remember i think one of the first uh articles i read of yours pat was um i think it was about no that was leave jackie probably jr around but um i like blake switeheart man um i think the last the series with the rangers like he got on base a couple times um good pick i think he has i think he has like a you know, quite a bit, quite a, quite a bit upside um, in terms of like sorting out this catching situation. But man, I mean, until until we figure figure out the catching situation, it's just it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to watch uh, Vasquez not hit and then like just drop balls left left and right behind the plate. Um, so I mean, I like I I'm with you, uh, Pat. I think you mentioned that you wanted Swihart. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I think Swear hurts my guy for now. That's good. That was a good answer. I would also like to go on record yeah. by saying that I'm I'm also pretty uh, a non. I I don't really like Matt Barnes. Like he's kind of like my Heath Embry. He's just really inconsistent. So like I haven't had the opportunity to shit on him this like to to date. But just just know it's coming. Just be prepared. Okay. Um. So the last thing we will talk about before we will depart this awesome podcast is Stephen Wright. I think we touched on it, but yeah, he's set to return according to that report and he's going to be pitching out of the bullpen. Um, do you think that he should be, or do you think that the Red Sox should just do something else? Like, I don't think he has an option, but I, I've been wrong about that before. Uh, do you guys know if he does? I'm 99% sure he doesn't. Okay. Yeah, I'm 99% sure, too, but I don't want to make an ass out of myself. Um, Stephen Wright, do you think they should DFA him, or do you think they should put him in this bullpen? Who starts? 
Oh, uh, well, Dave, you know Jordan. What? I'm, um, I'll, I guess I'll take that one. Go for um, it. Um, I'll, uh, you know what? I'll say, I'd like, I, I guess I'll start off by saying it just depends on how he starts off, um, in the bullpen. Um, I mean, if he, if he starts off strong, then, then keep him and then figure out like where you go from there. But I mean, if, if he struggles, obviously the, uh, move is to, you know, DFA him. Um, I mean, I guess other than that, that's all, unfortunately that's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dave? Yeah, so. I'm in kind of a similar boat. I definitely, well, first off, I say get him as much time in the minor leagues as you physically can and kind of just hope the situation sorts itself out. If he's, if he just doesn't have it, if pinch running that one time actually killed him, then you know what? So be it, DFA him. And if he's just getting shelled by the guys in Pawtucket, oh well, we, we move on. It was a great half season of all, of an all-star year. Yeah. But, from what I've from what I've seen, he's done pretty well in the one or two uh, Paw Sox appearances he's made. But I'd still keep him down as long as you possibly can. I don't really know how the uh, activation rules work. Um, I think it's thirty back of an injury days. and a suspension at the same time. But if you can kind of work it, just so that like you know someone else gets hurt, just say okay, right, come on up now. Like your rehab start magically ended right as this other guy got hurt. Crazy how that works. <laughs> Like we'll do that, but it's if weird really how things work. To draw a hand, I think um, I, I think you have to think about DFAing or not DFAing, but sending down Velasquez, giving Wright a week to see, like, well, maybe more than a week, a little bit of time to see, like, um, okay, Steve, do you still have it? Can you still do it? And if the answer is no, let him go. Bring Velasquez back up, and if he can go and serve as the second long guy alongside Brian Johnson, then great, so be it. And then. Let the, let both of those guys be pure bullpen guys, and if you need a spot starter, you can just bring Velasquez up for one day and send him right back down. Everybody's happy. I could not have said it better myself, Dave. That that was beautiful. Um, Thank you. Yeah, anytime. So I think we actually talked about every single member of this bullpen somewhat in detail on this podcast. So good for us. Um, <laughs> but we're actually gonna depart here. Um, this has been about 60 minutes. This is like the longest podcast ever. So give yourself pats on the back. Like we talked and we good, talked and hopefully job, it'll guys. be good. Yeah. Good, good job. job. Good job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dave Jordan, uh, I'll start with you, Jordan. You got any departing thoughts for the listeners? You know what? Um, looks like the game just got started. Like, I guess, I mean, 20 minutes ago. So I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch the rest of this and then, you know, but, you know, by the end of the night, we should be back in first place. Yes. So, we will like, tie we'll them. See. We'll see. Yes. We'll yes. Excuse me. All right. Yeah. Go Red Sox. Dave, what about you? <laughs> All right. Well, it wouldn't be a full Red Sox unfiltered podcast when we talk about the bullpen, and I don't mention my one true love, Brandon Workman. If you're out there, buddy, I still believe in you. I may be the only one left, but I still believe in you. I didn't know the Sox were back on, so that's it. I'm going to go watch them now. (laughs) We're going to go do that. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, getting to do this with you guys again. Um, We are now on iTunes, so you can find us there. Uh, We're always on SoundCloud. And check out RedSoxUnfiltered.com. I am your host, Patrick Green, and I hope the Red Sox beat the Yankees. Let's go, Red Sox. See you guys later.